Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today is a first in Manners and Madness history. <laughs> we are going to be diving into David Lynch's musical album, Crazy Cloud Time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like looking for something that we could do that would only take a week that would give us some D David Lynch time because we're about to start a Jane Austen thing. And I didn't realize that I was really out of my depth when it came <laughs> to talking about an album of music. <laughs> a music album. And, right. And if you're out of your depth, I am not even close to the depth at all because I am <laughs> way less musically inclined than you are. But I think we'll we we'll do a good job. I think people will, I, especially since we won't be so musically technical about it, <laughs> it'll be maybe more digestible. Yes. Well, I feel like you know more about music, and well, you listen to more music in general than mm -hmm. I do. I just know, like, I know how to read music, and I've done a lot of musicals and can play the piano. But like, uh -huh. I don't actually listen to music that often. <laughs> so. <laughs> So hopefully you'll bear with us. I'm, um, it's, it's, I did like put up a little thing on Facebook to, just to get people's opinions because I started doing the recap and I was like, I am so out of my depth. So I just wanted to get other people's <laughs> opinions. And it seemed like there was a lot of people who really liked the album and had a lot of interest in listening to it. So I really hope that we do a good job for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think we will because it was... Uh... Yeah, I think it's a uh, was an unexpected, pleasurable experience yes. to listen to it. Just because, like, you know, as someone who has had the exposure that I've had to David Lynch, I was assuming we were going to get very much like, you know, not very much like vocals and just a lot of stuff like that's similar to his like TV shows and movies and stuff. So I was very surprised to see what we got. <laughs> yeah, and just like most David Lynch, for me at least your first impression is not to be entrusted because the more mm -hmm. you experience it, the more you come to appreciate it or, you know, find different stuff in it. I feel oh, like yeah. that always happens to me with everything David Lynch. The first time I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> the second time I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are picking up on the things that you missed the first time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess, should we just go ahead and say what our first impressions were then? Sure. I was very surprised to see Karen O on this album, on the first song, who's lead singer of the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, who I like a lot. And so I was very excited. That was the first track we heard. So like first impressions, I was very much like, oh, this is going to be so exciting to listen to. Uh, it's not at all what I expected. And as it like progressed, I felt like it was becoming more and more like oh, this is definitely a David Lynch album. Like, I should have known <laughs> exactly what this would have sound like. <laughs> so I liked it a lot, though. Yeah. Um, well, I guess you'll probably get to know my first impression as I go through the recap, because I wrote it the first time I really listened to it. I'm Now, I'm sure I've listened to it before, because I, I, I own it, I think. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure I've listened to it at some point. It's just not one of those things I listen to very often. Uh-huh. But what I was doing it for the recap, I am I don't really know the yeah yeah yeah, so I wasn't familiar with Karen O. But I did mm -hmm. like that first song, and <laughs> when David Lynch took over the singing, I had a lot of thoughts about not necessarily his quality of voice, but his 
um, comfortableness singing. Mm -hmm. And I actually did find some stuff in some interviews that kind of justified what I was thinking because he seemed to do so much of it in like a cartoon voice almost like mm -hmm. the voice he uses for his cartoons that I was like I feel like this is a person and then there was so much reverb and everything put on all the tracks you know some of them were auto-tuned and right. I was like this is someone who is not comfortable with their own voice <laughs> because <laughs> I, you know as a performer I I worked really hard to become comfortable singing in front of people Mm -hmm. So I totally understand that. And I think most people actually feel that way, you know, unless yeah. you're like born singing and your family supports that hundred percent, it can be really hard. Right. It's very vulnerable. Like one of the most vulnerable things you could do in right. front of people. So we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that because I have a lot of stuff about that in my notes. Anyway, mm -hmm. I did like it. I was like, this is reminds me of Firewalk with me a lot. There was a lot mm -hmm. of songs that I was like, okay, this could be straight out of like, the pink room scene and Firewalk with me, which I know you haven't seen, but anyone who's seen it will know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so I actually ended up with a lot of thoughts on what it could be about. And we'll definitely mm -hmm. get into like the comments from everyone of what their favorites were and what they like about the album. All right, so notes for Crazy Clown Time. <laughs> um, is uh, David Lynch's album. It was released in November 7th of 2011. Way earlier than I remember. <laughs> well, what's so crazy to me is that the sound of it almost gave me a little bit of a two, early 2000s, like 2000 to 2005 kind of like sound. Uh -huh. um, so it's a long time after that I thought it was released. <laughs> but yeah, it's from 2011, so nine years ago. The total length of the album is about 14 tracks for the regular album, total of an hour and eight, nine minutes. And the deluxe album is a total of two hours and one minute uh, with 22 songs. So yes, we're but, not covering the extended version. No. But we did. I did check out some of the because it's mostly all just remixes, but I did check uh -huh. out some of the remixes. Okay. Yeah, I haven't listened to it yet, but I saw it when I was on so I listened to it on Apple Music. And they have like a little like suggested at the bottom and it was like extended edition, 22 songs. And I was like, I will come back to that later. <laughs> yeah, there's one instrumental that, you know, I don't think it's that big a deal if we don't do that one. And then the other one was, um, mm -hmm. I have a radio, which we already covered, so. Right, right. Okie dokie. All right, so the album was produced by David Lynch and the, all the songs in the album were composed by Lynch and an audio engineer named Dean Hurley. Yes, um, and, who we've we've definitely yes. met him before. Yes, or in the we've learned about him in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we've not personally met, but <laughs> <laughs> we definitely have heard that name before. Yes, um, and we know that David Lynch likes to work with a lot of the same people over and over again. So yeah, not a surprise. But he also Lynch also wrote all the songs for the album. Yeah. So he wrote all of them by himself, which I thought was really like cool because to me, at least, I would feel like writing dialogue for like a TV show or anything like that would be so different than writing a song. I feel like writing yeah. a song is, <laughs> you have to take into account music stuff, which is not my forte. But it seems so appropriate was, for him because, you know, yeah. like, I guess Blue Velvet and What Did Jack Do? 
That's right. And I feel like there's a lot of his movies, there's at least one song in the middle of it somewhere that's like about love that he wrote himself <laughs> that somebody else made the music to. Right. But we know that he also really loves sound design going back to Eraserhead days. So it just feels like a that's natural, true. natural that's true. thing that he would want to do. When you think about his, I guess, he really is one of those people who's involved with almost every aspect. And I guess that is also like, <laughs> thanks to his early days where he had no money and he had to do everything yeah essentially so but yeah he wrote all the songs the sleeve artwork that we see was designed by two graphic designers named chris big and Vaughn oliver that's um, cool i like it yes it's very uh i thought it was gonna be very scary it's very you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of those saw movies <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like the black and white hand and the typing on it looks very creepy. Yeah. When I wrote the, one of the Facebook comments was asking, I've always wondered what the blackened finger means. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the, the middle finger. Yeah. Is it, I looked, is it I think there? it's the Jupiter finger. I looked it up in my palm reading book, oh. <laughs> but I don't know if that means anything or not. <laughs> I'm the last person to ask. <laughs> but yeah it was released like i said in 2011 it was released in the u.s under a the label pious p-i-a-s and it was then also released in the uk under the label sunday best so it has like a double premiere yeah i found um, them and, on youtube sunday best they have like a data <clears throat> bunch's sunday's best which is oh, a really cool you know a youtube page if you're looking for stuff like that that's cool so i guess they're <laughs> they're like they love david lynch <laughs> and what I was surprised to find was this was actually the second al studio album out of three total albums that David Lynch has made. The first one being Blue B.O.B. in 2001 and the most recent being The Big Dream in 2013. Yeah, I was surprised about that too. I didn't realize he had three. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, think, I don't think he wrote all the music for Blue Bob. That was more of a collaboration. Oh, okay. So maybe he's just like listed as an and or something yeah although I do think it's considered part of like his oeuvre <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think it was as much just him that one gotcha okay yeah well yeah that makes sense the album crazy clown time they say like it has a couple different sort of like sounds to it like a modern bluesy slash like avant-garde music which I felt was very fitting for David Lynch <laughs> very fitting let's see when it was released the reception for me it all it all looked pretty decent like a lot of the reviews were actually like pretty good some like big ones like av club gave it a b minus which is pretty decent for someone who's not like necessarily a musical artist yeah uh, metacritic gave it a 62 out of 100 which is pretty okay so it was it seemed to be received pretty well. I'm sure all David Lynch fans were very excited for it. And, <laughs> you know, took it all in. But it seemed also like reviewers and critics took it really well. And then some uh, there was a breakdown of like the performers on the album, so like contributors and who performed what. And so you know David Lynch obviously and Dean Hurley they did a lot of the guitar, the synthesizer, and some vocals and bass and drums and programming. Karen O worked on the album, like I said, from the Yaya yeah, yeah, Yaz, um, yeah. and the first song. Brian Lucy was there, did all the mastering for it. And, you know, the rest of the people, like Chris Big, Von Oliver did the design. So it was a very tight-knit group, it seems like. And it did, <laughs> it 
it, there have some like charting on here, which I thought was really interesting. <laughs> and the U.S. independent albums that charted at 50, I think was the highest, which I thought was pretty good on Billboard. Yeah. 50 is pretty good. The highest that ever got was on the U.S. Heat Seekers albums um, for Billboard, which uh, ranked at number three. That's that good. Cool. I don't know what Heat Seekers Billboard is, but I think I, three is always I, a good number. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either, but apparently whatever this Heat Seekers, you know, category is, it does pretty well because in the Belgian Heat Seekers albums charts, it placed number five. Wow. So, <laughs> I don't know what Heat Seekers <laughs> Maybe means, it's like avant-garde or something. Maybe, yeah. It's like it's got its own like styling or something. Yeah. But I think that's pretty much all I had for it. Okay, well, let's start on the recap then. All right, now, full disclosure, I don't know if I'm technically savvy enough to actually put the clips of the songs into (laughs) the podcast, but... We will see if it's in there, then you'll know that I am more technically savvy than I expect. (laughs) And if it's not, you'll know I'm just about as technically savvy as I expect, which is moderately. (laughs) I think we, I think it'll be, it'll be easier than we think it will be. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) I put other music in. It's just, I don't know, you know, if there's some sort of, yeah, if if I'm allowed to do it, (laughs) like if it'll let me without some sort of weird program okay but the first song <laughs> is <laughs> pinky's dream pinky's dream featuring karen o yes now this song to me it sounds like s- someone begging someone not to get into a car accident which they end up mm-hmm. getting to at the end to the end <laughs> kind of my general impression of what the song is about I really like it though. It has like a like a real driving beat and Karen O's sounds really great. She does these like oh, vocalizations yeah. that kind of remind me of Frank Zappa, which uh-huh. I'm sure we've talked about Frank Zappa before, but he has mm-hmm. a lot of those kinds of stuff in his music. And it's got like this whispery dreamlike quality, mm-hmm. which seems appropriate to the title being that it's a dream. Right. <laughs> He's very... Um... Yeah, well, I, I think when after we had listened to this album and we had kind of talked about it a little bit off the pod about like, is there like a narrative here? And like, what's basically like what's happening in each of these songs? And to me, this album is like the, this, this song is kind of like the beginning of the narrative to me, which is like they, they maybe these two people have broken up while driving a car and this, Pinky, who is the driver, is you know <laughs> clearly not taking it well, yeah. um, and so it seemed very. I don't know. It had a very like um, creepy kind of like. I had this picture of someone driving in a car like at night in like the middle yes. of nowhere. Yes, <laughs> and it just gave me this like kind of like spooky, creepy feeling with the guitars and everything, and just the lyrics themselves, which are very, I would say, kind of dark. Uh, yeah. yeah she says like please pinky watch the road she's pinky what do you see flying down the road are you laughing or are you crying 
she definitely seems concerned about his fast driving. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I think it speaks <laughs> oh, to... She... Go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was just going to say, she also says, what's in your mouth? How can you scream so loud? <laughs> <That's> pretty... <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> Scary. I was just going to say that it speaks to a theme that I found in a lot of David Lynch's work where the men in his movies and shows tend to go crazy at some point or start acting <laughs> crazy. And the women have to be kind of like the grounding force and being <laughs> and kind of like not suffer at the hands of, but like kind of, you know, take on the situation themselves yeah. in a way. It reminds me a lot of Blue Velvet. Yes. First. Although listening back to the song, I almost feel, I don't feel like she's with him. I feel like he's driving and she's back uh-huh. saying, please be careful. You're, I know what you're doing. Like, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like she's scared for herself. It just feels like she's scared for Pinky. Like at the end, it kind of ends like, it does end like an accident, but you know, Mm -hmm. it's more like a please Pinky, not like, please, you know, I feel like it's more that she's Uh concerned about him and that he's alone, but you know, I don't think it really specifies that within the lyrics. (laughs) No, but I think it definitely has some sort of theme of danger and yeah, she's definitely t- trying to uh, take control of the situation. Yeah. And clearly does not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so that kind of leads me to, I kind of have two different theories about this album. I mean, probably mm-hmm. neither of them are true, but this is kind of, I saw someone comment that they thought that the whole album was a story of sorts. So that made me think, is this like the first song about this guy who was angry, he left, he got into an accident. And then this is like all that goes through his head while he is like, you know, I don't know, dying on the side of the road or, you know, but then I also, and I guess, We'll probably, we can get into it more, but I, but you were kind of touching on it. I kind of feel like this whole album speaks to um, like a self-destructiveness and specifically mm-hmm. like a masculine self-destructiveness. Like oh yeah, almost every song kind of feels like, how do you sabotage yourself in a masculine way? <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. I love that. <laughs> That makes well, total sense to me. <laughs> I don't know if you wanted to, I mean, I feel like that's the one song that I could, I could sing along with now. Like I, oh, yeah. I know it. I don't feel like I need to listen back to that song. Did you no. want to listen to it again? Okay. Yeah. That one's the one, one of the only ones, just because I guess it, to me, this, the Pinky's dream is the most like a, it's the least avant-garde of all of these tracks. It's the more like typical, like, kind of song that you would hear from like a regular alternative artist uh-huh. so that one to me really stuck in my brain especially because it's Karen L when I like Karen L a lot and her voice yeah. is really good so that one stuck with me so now but yeah. um, the rest of them is the is when it starts to kind of start blending together just because the sounds kind of tend to run into each other um, yeah because that and that's also one thing that makes you think it's some sort of narrative that's going on because they blend in so well to each other that is true but I do will say Pinky is a weird name. (laughs) I want to know what's that nickname. (laughs) I feel like he should have blacked out the Pinky on the album because then it would have been Pinky's hand. Hey, that would have been Uh, obvious. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been right on the nose, which is not the same. 
All right. Well, the next song on the album is Good Day Today. It's got like a dance beat. Mm-hmm. Starts with like a club beat type of thing. And um, <laughs> it sounds like David Lynch is auto-tuned in this one. Uh-huh. And it, he kind of sounds like like a robot singing <laughs> because it's just <laughs> so auto-tuned. I had to look up the lyrics for that one because they were very hard to understand. And I don't know if the lyric, I mean, my impression from looking these up was that these were the lyrics on the liner notes, but they are not correct. So you would think they would be (laughs) if David Lynch had any hand in doing them, but um, yeah, they're definitely not accurate. (laughs) Apple music has that function where you can switch it over to lyrics. Um, Yeah. It's the same lyrics as, the Apple music one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do. Um, it, this one is just like, I'm going to have a good day today. And he's at, mm-hmm. in the middle. He's like tight. And I've saw a lot of people comment on, oh, this is a good happy song. But in the middle, he's like tired of fire and tired of smoke. And then you hear guns mm-hmm. shooting, tired of drowning, tired of fearing and tired of the dark. And he wants it to be yeah. sent an angel to save him. And he wants to have <clears> a good day today, which that's what made me think after Pinky's dream and the accident, like this is him being like, you know, fire, smoke, fearing, dark, want an angel to save him. So I was uh, like, oh, so he's lying on the side of the road in an accident, you know. Right. <laughs> the round <laughs> that, makes that makes but sense to know. me. It doesn't feel like, I mean, it does say, I want to have a good day today. But when you get to like the actual other lyrics, it's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> you're surrounded <laughs> by not good stuff. <laughs> I would say it's quite the opposite of a good day. <laughs> also, there was a video and I found out a couple, there's a couple of videos online. Uh-huh. There's one that's a, done by David Lynch for Crazy Clown Time. But there's a couple that are done f- from for part of a contest. And so uh, there, this one was the winner. It's kind of grandmother-ish. I don't know if you watched any of those. I didn't get to them yet. It seemed I like the grandmother, but there's like a kid oh. and he kind of reaches his arm and like threw a bowl of soup into like a pocket universe. And on the other side are like yeah. dark shadowy versions of his family. And his dad has no eyes. <laughs> and um, his mom Fair. feeds him the dad's eyeballs. And then he's like on a Yuck. boat. And... <laughs> His family is on another little dinghy and he just throws them a wreath and goes off. It's like, <laughs> it feels very grandmother. <laughs> the grandmother. Sounds very, sounds very, um, Cor- <laughs> uh, for people who've watched Coraline, like other mother kind of universe. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Scary. <laughs> so do we want to listen to any of that one or are we good on good day today? Um, I think I'm good on that one. The yeah, next I can- one I probably need to listen to because I don't necessarily run bored with this one okay so so glad is the next song Mm -hmm. okay and this one is definitely what I would consider one of the like bad masculinity songs (laughs) (laughs) an appropriate uh scripture to me (laughs) yeah David Lynch is the singer there's no mm-hmm. auto tune on this one, but he is using like his cartoon character voice, mm-hmm. <laughs> very cartoony. And he's saying like, so glad you're God now. He's free everywhere in the house, in the truck, in the street at last 
free. <laughs> <laughs> and all, but also he's saying please and free and they kind of blend together, which, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's kind of an interesting contradiction. Like I'm free, but you're also pleading at the same time, please. So right, asking for something. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. But he's like, so glad you're gone. <laughs> the ball and chain <laughs> is gone. So glad. I think this is the one that has a lot of cursing in it. But um, yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, it's kind of protesting too much, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, to me, like the, at this point of the album, I was like, oh, it kind of reminds me of like during a breakup when you go through like this quote unquote like stages of grief. And this part seems to me where he seems to be like reacting very angrily about mm-hmm. what's happened to him and looking yeah. back. And it's very much like, you know, blame, blame, blame. And you're the bad. And now yeah. they're gone. So I don't need you anymore. Yeah. It's but I wrote, like, is he really glad if he has to write an entire melancholy song about it? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I wonder if it's just like one of those, like, what's it called? I don't think it's an oxymoron, but just like, he's so glad. And at the end, you're like, you're not glad at all. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you're saying, please, instead of free. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe but he I feels think, free, but he's not. Yeah. I can't remember what like, they were, but I did write, I like the guitar and drums in this one. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I just know it as a guitar and a drum. <laughs> kind of like. Uh-uh. Also got kind of a driving-ish beat, but it's not. It doesn't feel like I'm. <laughs> I like the way his southern comes out. Here. <laughs> I was about to say it sounds like um, what was it, the cowboy and uh, oh my god, the, the Frenchman. Frenchman. <clears throat> yeah, that was like oh that that's that little like nugget. Yeah, I think I I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure I wrote Cowboy and Frenchman down somewhere on this paper. So we'll see what, what made me think of it. What other? <laughs> okay, so yeah, that's definitely not my favorite song. That one is a little too like, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 I'm sure. I don't want to hear about how you're so glad she's gone when you're clearly not. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, especially since like we're getting, I sort of like, as, as long as we're following the narrative that I have in my head about this album, uh, <laughs> we're getting painted a picture of who this person is, who Pinky is, uh-huh. I, guess, I guess I'm assuming who we're following. Um, and it seems like he's a very <laughs> emotionally unstable person and very much, it doesn't sound like he's a great person. So at this point in time, I, uh, all the things that I'm, you know, being shown, I guess, by David Lynch is that this person seems to be an unstable kind of, I don't know, just not in touch with themselves kind of. Yeah. An angry I kind of feel like this song would be like before Pinky went off on his road rage. Like maybe this is the song he sang before, like in the musical version uh, of this album. So, okay. I like see. that's yeah, what so maybe... drove him to go off and drive because he is and so then... glad she's gone. I got to go off and be free. <laughs> I could see that. And then I could see like the whole like anger side of it. It's like him maybe calling her and trying to tell her like, oh, just so you know, I'm good off without, like I'm great without you and something, you know, he's being crazy and she's like, (laughs) please be not insane for once. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, the next song is Noah's Ark. I wrote that the beat feels a little bit trippy, like kind Mm -hmm. of how 
90s, late 90s music. And David Lynch is like whispering the lyrics on this one. And he's mm-hmm. skipping like a record player controlled by a DJ. Like there's some yeah. <laughs> <with his> voice. <laughs> he said he sings, he knows how to, he knows a song to sing on this dark night of rain. And there's rain sounds. And it's the mm-hmm. song of love. <laughs> <laughs> And um, this one, it reminded me more of like one of his love songs from like a blue velvet or something. Uh Although I need to listen to it again because I can't remember. I wrote, (laughs) David Lynch must be very interesting in the bedroom (laughs) (laughs) after this song. So maybe I need to remember what it was about, but it was was a very repetitive song. It didn't have a lot of lyrics. Okay. Oh no, this one doesn't actually sound like. Yes, I remember why I said that because he's so whispery and he's like, I know what to do on this dark night of love. And I was like, I, I was like, I can't, I just have this vision of David Lynch whispering to his wife or girlfriend, I know what to do on this dark night of love. I'd be like, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. I, was, yeah, I remember listening to this one and being like, this is for, uh, an unusually for it to be associated with like himself like very sexually charged yeah <laughs> very suggestive so i i definitely get where you got that from <laughs> it's I, to me it's very like this is about probably as as stereotypically sexy that he'll probably ever get it sounds like to me uh-huh. i don't know it was very unusual to hear that out of like especially after hearing such angry songs and spooky songs it was very yeah. uh very sexual <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes so next was football game <laughs> <laughs> and i said that the beat on this one reminded me of like oldies dance music uh-huh. and he used a different weird cartoon character voice for this one it almost sounds <laughs> like he was drunk or like he had cotton in his mouth uh-huh because it had like a, a little bit of a slur mm-hmm. and basically he's saying he went down to the football game he saw you with another man, but he sounds kind of sad. <laughs> um, yeah. It's also a little bit like a little, it sounds to me a little bit threatening, especially when he's oh, like, yeah. you better, you better learn, baby. I hope you can. <laughs> That's literally the next thing I had in my notes. <laughs> oh, <really>? <laughs> <laughs> I said, you better learn. I hope you can sounds vaguely threatening. <laughs> yeah. This one coupled with, um, what was the other one that we said was like, good, is a good day today. Is that the one where he's like, crazy no so glad sorry this one couple with so glad i feel like because of the way their voices are cartoonish maybe yeah. it is somewhat sort of uh symbolizing him being like drunk or something showing up wherever he is and him acting out because these tend to be the most like um self-harming kind of songs in a way where it's like he seems to be like making himself feel worse yeah yeah in a way definitely Oh yeah, and also the cartoon character voice. We haven't watched it yet. Someday we'll 
We'll watch Dumbland and Sense and Sensibility in 1970s and I'll be like, good, I got all this stuff I don't like. Because <laughs> we're like the only two things I'm dreading doing someday. Or not dreading, but just like, you know, not looking, not looking forward, forward to. to. But Dumbland uses that same cartoon character voice. The characters mm-hmm. in that are also, bleh, I just don't like any of the characters in that show, that little mm-hmm. cartoon series he did. But whenever he does that cartoon voice, it makes me think of that series, which actually kind of fits in with a lot of the songs on this album like the football game and so glad like ah. yeah was was it written when was Dumbland like created do you know look it up 2002 okay <laughs> <laughs> definitely not around this time but you know I feel like David Lynch always is revisiting the same themes over and over, mm-hmm. and over again referencing back yeah okay so the next song is I know, unless you had more about football game. Mm-mm. That's all I had. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I, um, it has an organ, which kind of makes it sound like a Halloween song. <laughs> yeah, it does. He has a very distorted voice in this one. And I wrote, I just want to hear David Lynch sing for real. It's like he's <laughs> hiding behind these funny voices. <laughs> Strip it down. Where's the acoustic version? Yeah, well, I mean, it was part of me was like, you can do it, David. I know you can sing. Don't worry about how it sounds. That's not the important part of singing. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm sure it would sound great. He's very distinct voice. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. He knows his lady has to go. Oh, this is the one. This is the one where he's like talking about a girl. I think a, the girl he's with and... Mm-hmm. Is this the one where he like gave her nothing, but she? This is the one where she. It's like you. She's going. She's leaving. Okay. And that he'll oh, okay, her. because he did something bad. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. He knows his lady has to go. He saw it coming. Seems like it might have been his own fault since she stopped to sing when he did that thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he cheated on her or something and she's leaving him (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would say i mean this is also very to me emblematic of a lot of his work with uh relationships because we've seen it like in twin peaks with just like i would say like just tortured couples almost in a way especially in blue velvet too yeah um where you know someone does something bad and you know and with twin peaks i would say it's probably switched where it's oh my gosh (laughs) names I hate my brain. There's so many to choose from in Twin Peaks. I'm like, which one are you talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's Josie, uh, Laura. <laughs> it's definitely Laura and um, Bobby or James. Probably James. Oh my God. The most like well-known <laughs> names in human existence. I can't remember. <laughs> but it's kind of flipped with Laura and, Laura and James. But yeah, I would say that's like a weird thing that he always kind of dips into, which is like, the like very traumatic relationships and how they kind of devolve. Yeah. I thought the interesting thing for this song, one of the interesting things was that he talks about how he remembers her every night, but honestly, he doesn't seem that upset in the song. Like he's talking about he's upset, but he doesn't really seem upset. He's like, you know, take, take your train or train, take you now, girl. Like he seems mm-hmm. resigned to the fact and okay with the fact, like he knows it's his own fault. Right. Yeah. Anyway, 
But I was going to say that um, it, David Lynch really seems to relish a good drum beat from what I could tell so far yes. in the album. Because <laughs> they all have Drums. a very like driving beat, even if it's not a fast beat, but it's like a very like strong beat, I would say. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> um, okay, and this one also had a fan video. Uh-huh. It, it, this one was interesting. It looked like, it almost looked like uh, scenes from a movie, kind of. But it's basically this woman and a man, and the man seems to be able to control her with a remote control. So, like, yeah. she, he'll pause her, and then when he unpauses her, she falls down because she was paused. And then she's finally getting away in the car, and he rewinds it all the way back to when she was with him. So it's like... Oh, interesting. Yeah. I just thought that was an interesting one. Okay. Yeah. But the next song is one of the most intriguing songs on the album to me because it had a lot to work with. <laughs> Strange <laughs> and unproductive thinking. Now, this one is more like a manifesto or an essay that he's written. And it's all done in a very computer, like, you know, the happier, productive, you know, voice, whatever. I can't do right. it. But <laughs> It definitely has like a beat and guitar that fits in well with the rest of the album, but the ear, but the ears, <laughs> the lyrics <laughs> read like an essay on higher consciousness. And, uh, yeah. Okay. okay. So, okay. I couldn't really take in the words without looking at the lyrics. So, mm -hmm. and I did write after I had listened to it once, why so much dental talk? <laughs> but, <laughs> After reading the whole thing several times, I I will say that it kind of, yeah, I had a particularly favorite verse that began sometimes in the evenings, a feeling of the type which haunts young children in the forest will come in on a dark wind and all the light will fade. And I just feel like that particular stanza or whatever um, mm -hmm. paragraph, I don't know, is very poetic with very evocative imagery. So that oh, yeah. would be my favorite of that. The rest is really interesting, but it's written in like this weird esoteric run-on sentence style. So it feels like it's using way too many <coughs> words and yeah. talking in circles. But like the gist yeah. of it is that we long to connect with our higher selves. And to do that, we must be almost in a state of emptiness, absence of mm -hmm. thought. And then he goes through the reasons why that doesn't usually happen. And it's partially because we think of things as positive and negative forces and can't hold the opposing ideas at the same time. Mm -hmm. So in the end of the, he uses tooth decay <laughs> while the tooth talk <laughs> and the fear of mouth issues as an example, concluding with the possibility of the breaking of relationships based upon the idea of negative distortion of the mouth. For the teeth, while not necessarily considered one of the primary building blocks of happiness, can in fact become a small sore, festering and transferring negative energies to the once quiet and peaceful mind, giving it over to strange and unproductive thinking. So like, you know, even just a pain in your mouth can distort your thought patterns so much that you are no longer thinking <laughs> productively, I guess. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And all of the stanzas are like that, like long run on sentences. I was trying, right. I think that's part of the why it's so hard 
I even thought, should I read this whole <laughs> thing out loud as if I'm doing a dramatic reading so that people can actually understand what it is he's saying? But like, I thought, no, you can just read it for yourself. But that's, I think I got the gist of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, to me, what it, what it brought me to was when I listened to it, it was very much like stream of conscious. Like if he, he was just writing stuff down, but then also made you think about like, it almost sounds like a seminar of some sort, like he was getting a seminar or like some sort of like educational thing. And I remember looking it up and I have this like quick little paragraph that I found in my research about this album and another uh, song on the album. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but basically it says that Crazy Clown Time's lyrics have been described as enigmatic and some are written in a stream of conscious style, strange and unproductive thinking, which includes themes from cosmic awareness to tooth decay features lyrics centered around and referencing transcendental meditation, a technique when she uses and is an advocate. Two songs on the album, Strange and Unproductive Thinking and Crazy Cloud Time are delivered in a spoken word vocal style. So it's almost like he's like, since it's something that he is such an advocate of, that whole like idea of it being a seminar seems like he's almost like, I don't want to say preaching it to us, but kind of like giving us almost like in a word, in a, you know, poetic-y kind of like, song way a uh, lesson on what it is and the yeah. aspects of it kind of yeah and if we try to fit it in with our whole car accident storyline it could be mm-hmm. like a moment of revelation like an outside mm-hmm. of yourself revelation because this doesn't feel oh, like yeah. something i just thought of it feels like something that the world delivered to me as a thought you know that right. kind of these kinds of things yeah i like that All right. Well, I don't know if we've made it halfway through the album because I didn't actually write that down, but I feel like we're through, like once you get past that one, (laughs) like through the majority of. That one's number seven. So technically we're right at the halfway. (laughs) Oh, perfect. (laughs) Okay. So the next song is The Night Bell with Lightning. This is instrumental. There is no lyrics Mm -hmm. on this. It does sound like he's using some, this, I David Lynch, when I've read interviews, and I do have a little bit maybe in the deep dive, mm-hmm. he talks about his guitar as singing. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know where it comes from. Sometimes you just pick it up and it sings. And you're like, I just got to capture this the way it's singing. And I feel like this song is like him trying to capture the singing of the guitar, you know? Uh-huh. That makes sense. Yeah. But I don't know if it's like a slide <laughs> that he's using, like when you put like a... Uh-huh. shot glass on your finger or if it's like a wah wah bar again i don't know <laughs> i don't play the guitar i could be totally wrong about what it's called <laughs> I was like, i'm the last person to ask yeah but i just i feel like this is him kind of like showing off his skills using the guitar as the singer mm. it's very evocative and i really like that one despite but it's like i mean honestly i listen to more music without lyrics than i listen to music with lyrics just uh-huh. in my general life so I do appreciate a good, you know, instrumental it's song. Good. I'm not good at talking about it, but. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. But the way I like think about these not like in, you know, just purely instrumental songs is that they're good. They're not as like, I don't know, like, I don't want to call them like ambiance songs, but like, they're just very much like, I would say they can kind of take over more and evoke a feeling inside of you where you're not necessarily being persuaded through lyrics to kind of feel a certain way. And you're not necessarily being as distracted by lyrics because 
yeah. I don't know about you, but whenever I hear a song, like I'm always trying to hear the lyrics, I'm trying to pick them out. And so these types of songs are kind of like invoking more like emotional responses, I would say. Yeah. And more like organic emotional responses because I'm not trying to, I'm not being led a certain way. I'm just kind of experiencing the music. Yeah. And after that last song, you kind of need like a song to <laughs> decompress what you've just heard because that's all lyrics. <laughs> but I'm not sure. I'm not sure where the night bell or the lightning come in. <laughs> I I don't either. I couldn't find anything about what that could mean, but. <laughs> I like the imagery. You think it's a night bell being struck by lightning or it's just a night bell being illuminated by lightning? Um, and what I would is say... the difference between a night bell and a day bell? <laughs> <laughs> Do they sound different? <laughs> I'm not sure. I get the imagery of it having the lightning itself, like containing it. Ah, that's interesting. Maybe it's imagery for Pinky that needs to be dissected more. Yeah, when you say that, it makes me think of something from season three, but. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, will I remember any of these old references when we finally get to the things that I was like, this might be referencing that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so next song is called Stones Gone Up. And this one has a faster beat. This one does sound like driving down the road at night. He's got a more distorted voice and he's kind of speak singing this one. Although the chorus I think is sung. And I wrote, see David, you could sing. It doesn't have to have electronic <laughs> influence. <laughs> or no, it does right. still have electronic influence. A little bit. It's less like auto-tuned. It just feels like, oh, see, you're just singing, regular singing. You just have a little bit of like distortion on it. Mm-hmm. okay but so he lost himself in loving a girl but she either didn't love him back or she died stones gone up white light it ends in disappointment but then it all went dark and i knew it couldn't be and then there's sirens at the end so maybe it, it's a tragedy yeah well <laughs> i was trying to think i just had a thought because it also gives me a little bit of that self, like masculine self-destructiveness when he's talking about how she laughed a lot and he found out his arms too long and his head too small. It almost seems like this weird part of like self, what's the word? Like just insecurity, maybe. Um, and so it kind of brought me back to those other two songs where it's just kind of like self-destructive and maybe it's like the stage of, either a breakup or a stage of like a relationship since he loves to kind of work with relationships of feeling like insecure and maybe he's kind of like devolved from that anger now to this level that he's at yeah here let's listen to a little bit of this one so i can remember it (laughs) (laughs) me too definitely a driving feeling So like, yeah, he had like high hopes for this relationship and he mm-hmm. had lots of dreams and wishes, but it didn't work out. I don't know if she just didn't love him back or if she actually died, but the sirens at the end and either imply that it is a tragedy or maybe it just relates back to the whole car crash 
<laughs> metaphor that we're blips blips of the real life coming through um yeah, yeah I just, him, I, no I was just gonna say it could be him like at the end of his life just being like well it's over now too bad it didn't work out because I'm dying <laughs> <laughs> right oh that makes sense uh yeah I was just gonna say that even like the sound of it it just has such a very like somber kind of sad sound to it itself so it almost and it almost gives me the feeling of like at the end of something if that yeah. makes sense so it could be like you said that the end of you know either a relationship of someone's life um his or you know the person that he's maybe singing about um uh-huh. but it almost kind of with the lyrics being so like self uh deprecating a little bit and like insecure it just kind of gives me that feeling of uh when that whole scene of him being so like angry and down mm. about the relationship ending and him getting into this like final moments it seems like this would be the time where he would be like kind of just given up in a way yeah yeah could be definitely okay so the <laughs> titular song <laughs> crazy clown time or no there's a better word for that eponymous i think <laughs> there's some word i can't remember what it's called though Crazy Clown Time. Now, I feel like I've heard this one the most of any of the songs on the album because, and I was going to talk about this, but I don't know that we'll have time in this episode now, but <laughs> the David Lynch Weather Reports, which we had covered for a long time, uh-huh. he started doing music recommendations every day. Ooh. And I was like, please, somebody make a playlist out of these. And like the next week, somebody had made a playlist. <laughs> Maybe they had already done that. I just <laughs> noticed it a week later. But um, yeah, so I took their play and I loved their playlist. I found it on, it's this site called Mixcloud. I think it's called Lynchland. Lynchland, who are the people who mm-hmm. made the playlist? And they've, they've kept up and done several, but I did make my own version on Apple Music just because that's what I use to listen to. And I made it public. So if you want to listen to it, you can look up weather reports. I think you can find it on there. But um one day he recommended or he seemed to recommend crazy clown time (laughs) he's like i think it's time for some crazy clown time or something like that so i put that song on the playlist and i've been listening to that playlist a bit so that song comes up a lot so i feel like i've heard the song a lot (laughs) is what i'm trying to say (laughs) (laughs) the most one you probably heard the most then yeah yeah this one is so evocative of a certain type of party a certain time like Mm -hmm. in your teenagerhood when you would get wasted (laughs) oh yeah reckless exactly he uses the cartoon voice again and it seems yeah it's about like a wild party where everyone is wasted and getting naked and Mm -hmm. this one has is very clearly in the lyrics a lot of mistakes (laughs) (laughs) it's called okay he says Susie a million times Mm -hmm. but it's written like in the lyrics it's like telly i'm like where did you get telly from i don't hear telly at all i hear Susie, but not telly anyway so okay Susie rips her shirt off someone pours beer all over sally which i was like this party buddy (laughs) and bobby scream so loud they spit diddy lit his hair on fire danny spit on Susie. And I wrote, Susie's <laughs> going to draw blood on one of these dudes. <laughs> Everyone keeps spitting on her and pouring beer on her. Um, Poor Susie. 
they ran around the backyard and it was really fun. Crazy clown time. And I wrote, who looks back on this night and regrets it? I wonder. Sounds horrible to me. (laughs) I would say if they're adults, they definitely regret it. Um, But if I always, I just got this, like, after hearing it and like seeing the lyrics, like this immediate imagery of like a, like you said, like a teenage kind of party. Mm Because me and my friends, you know, we, we, most of us grew up, like, I would say <laughs> country adjacent. We weren't in the country, but we were essentially on borderline. And so we would do every year around December, because for a couple of our birthdays are in December, we would rent this cabin out at the state park in Keystone. Uh-huh. And oh, yeah, you tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so we did. We did <laughs> Where I think, you saw a total of, like, or something? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the statue. I think I told that story on this podcast. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, I did. Um, it was that state park, and because the cabins are so cheap, and some of us were eighteen, and so it was like might as well. And we would have these crazy parties that our parents didn't know about, where we would, <laughs> you know, obviously like have alcohol, and it was in the middle of nowhere, so we could be loud and be crazy outside. And this totally like brought me back to that kind of party, oh. where you know, looking back. You know, if we did those things now, we would be like, okay, we've definitely lost control of our lives. But like, <laughs> as teenagers, you know, that's, it's totally like, who cares? It's like the recklessness and the craziness is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely had a kid in our class who had his own apartment because he, I went to an art school and he lived like so far outside of town, I guess, that his parents uh-huh. were like, you'll never make it to school on time <laughs> if you don't have your own apartment. But he never made it to school on time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But we used to have crazy parties there. And this song just reminds me of it. And it's mm. like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. this one had a video that was like directed by David Lynch. And oh. I don't know if, did you watch that one? No. No. <laughs> it kind of reminded me a little bit of Scissors in a way. Because you okay. know how, I mean, it, it wasn't like that. Like it didn't look like that. But you know how Scissors was like those people we're like, what's going on? And then suddenly like mm-hmm. someone's killing someone and it's like, yes. but it also kind of reminded me of Cowboy and the Frenchman because they have that big party scene. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> but okay, so the, the video, it's a party. It looks pretty shitty. <laughs> I will say after Susie gets beer poured on her, she does strangle Danny, which I feel like justified. An appropriate reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we also get a little bit of D- David Lynch singing and playing like crossed in with it. And mm. there's a guy with a mohawk who lights his hair on fire in a way that I was like, what, are you really going to light your hair on fire? And then suddenly it was digital. And I was like, oh, that's so David Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Susie has her shirt off the whole time. There's these little black sensor bars over her nipples. <laughs> and it definitely like evokes like a fucked up party feeling and there was like a little making of clip that I found too like a little one minute clip and uh-huh. he's telling everyone the cast he's like this is not a fun party <laughs> but it's like you're crazy right. you know but I did see some people talking about oh it sounds like such a fun part he says it was a really fun time but like he's even in the, it never feels like a fun time in the song right. while you're listening to it. And when, even when he's directing them, he's saying, this is not a fun party. So <laughs> <laughs> another contradiction. 
Right. I think it's like the point of those parties is like, especially when you're a teenager, is like to revel in the chaos because you don't have responsibilities necessarily in a yeah, way. It's not like getting so messed up that you will do things you wouldn't normally do because as a teenager, exactly. you're so full of fear all the time right. and you're scared of doing stuff. You're scared of not doing stuff. So you got to let your inhibitions down. Poor teenagers. Yeah, <laughs> say, I, I don't miss it at all. <laughs> but to me, it was like just testing boundaries. That's like kind of like what this was. And <laughs> clearly Susie got the most testing, but. Yeah. Well, that's why I was very glad that she strangled Danny. And they seem fine after that. (laughs) She's like, don't do that again. But then with the next song, These Are My Friends, we get a little bit of a nicer gathering of friends. Mm -hmm. Um, I like this one. Yeah, it's got a nice intro that kind of reminds me of like a love song. And he's talking about he's got a truck, a stove, a table painted red, some beer and a barbecue. (laughs) (laughs) and he's with his friends who he gets to see every day and they all have pets oh no this was the one that said telly instead of sally she's got a bluebird yeah she's got a bluebird um minnie has a dog or Mm -hmm. minnie and pd have a dog or maybe pd is the name of the dog um (laughs) betty's got a frog in a yellow basket (laughs) i was like oh you guys have weird pets um (laughs) Uh, he says that hanging out is the prescription to keep the hounds at bay. And yeah, the lyrics I found are definitely wrong on that one, Mm -hmm. which he, you know, he does talk about the prescription to keep the hounds at bay, but I think he's talking about just hanging out with his friends as the prescription to keep the hounds at bay. But I was wondering Mm -hmm. since this song almost doesn't fit in the rest of my, you know, views of this album or like the, the story of it mm-hmm. but i wasn't sure if there, he's talking about like getting fucked up as the like or drugs or something as the prescription to keep the hounds at bay like but uh-huh. i don't know maybe it's just saying friends are can be better I'm than sure. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean i i totally got that from the prescription part is that mostly it's like this whole hangout and like the quality time with friends is kind of like his prescription yeah that's what I that's the first thing I thought of and what makes sense to me it's just such a funny like complete like 180 from the party that we had the last song so like Mm -hmm. I was trying to think like oh is this last song kind of like are these parties like sort of like symbolizing his like thought process throughout this like narrative if we're going to go with this narrative that like last party is like he's just reveling in the chaos and and, like the whole like self-destructiveness of it and Mm -hmm. this one is like the turning point where maybe he's like starting to see clearly and kind of be based more in reality than the crazy hangover the next day (laughs) right nice picnic (laughs) right that's what i got yeah all these animals I mean, they don't obviously all have to go together. I feel like they no. probably did not mean for them all to necessarily be one specific thing, but the rest of them do kind of all fit with a narrative. That one just feels a little yes. bit outside of the narrative. <laughs> right. The but I made up for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then Speed Roadster, another car metaphor he's okay this is the one he said came about because his guitar was singing and it sounded like a speed roadster 
<laughs> and oh, oh, this one. Okay. This is another song of heartbreak, but this one, it, he is a stalker. He admits to it. He says he's stalking someone. She won't take his calls. And she started going out with his pal, Bill. And oh, this is also the one where he says shit and fuck, <laughs> which seems strangely <laughs> uncharacteristic, even though he'll write it in his movies. I have even heard interviews where people are like, Sure, he'll write it all the most dirty stuff down, but he never says it. So it was kind of weird huh. to hear him actually singing it in a song. Now he wants to get a speed roadster so he can drive by her house and look in her window. And he hopes that she's sad. <laughs> <laughs> this one definitely fits in with the um, self-destructive masculinity. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's very much that thing of like after a breakup where like a toxic person who the the person who broke up with them is like starting to see new people and yeah. the person who got broken up with is starting to realize like all the things that they're missing out on now because they lost this person yeah so it seems very much for returning back to the crazy person that he's <laughs> i mean i about. understand the feeling i've often yes. felt i wish you're sad or i hope you're sad you know yes. <laughs> not saying right. that's healthy but <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's very human. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, this one was, it just gave me like a weird vibe. The the lyrics and like, it just kind of like makes the person sound so like creepy and a yeah. little bit like menacing in a way. That's kind yeah. of like the feeling it gave me. A little yeah, bit. definitely. Okay. And then we have moving on. Okay. Sorry. My AirPods died, so they just... <sighs> That was quick. <laughs> I don't know. I charged them and they just died. So oh, darn it. Okay. Well, um, moving on is the name of the song, not you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I said again, clearly the lyrics person could not understand because there are a lot of like ellipses in the lyrics where it's just like dot, 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 uh-huh. where there's words, but they didn't write down the words. <laughs> right. I see that too. This one is more of a, I'm sad about a broken heart and less of a, I'm mad because of you. Uh He says he doesn't recognize himself. Time rolls backwards, but I know how it ends. Mm -hmm. A rose etched away by a liar's hand. And I, I wrote, are these all separate heartbreaks he's singing about on this (laughs) album? Or is this all one heartbreak? (laughs) Yeah, I was trying not to personify like this is David Lynch speaking to me so much, but I still right. couldn't help but feel like, how many heartbreaks have you had, David Lynch? <laughs> A lot, <laughs> judging by the number of wives he's had. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this one to me was very much like going back to that whole like self reflection. Um, yeah, and maybe it's like I got this idea of this person is very much like the other uh, other songs that we've heard this person is definitely taking accountability for their actions mm-hmm. um for anything like the bad thing i guess that they're referencing that they did but it was just like it's such a different feeling so i'm not sure if we're going to fit it into this narrative that this person is like finally kind of looking back with like a clearer clearer vision of what happened and is <laughs> maybe coming to terms with what they did <laughs> yeah yeah, I was wondering if it kind of, I forgot about the song before it though, but I was like, because the last couple of these last two songs are kind of, um, they feel less angry 
and more just like, you know, accepting of things, but yeah, the one before it is not so, <laughs> but like, these are my friends are. So I feel like if speed roadster went above, these are my friends in the song order, I would feel like moving from bitterness to less bitterness within wow. like the course of the album. But I don't know if you can necessarily say that with it's, the way it's written. I think it's a testament to real life relationships and how they roller coaster. So that's kind of how like I feel about it. It's just very up and down because no yeah. one's in a, a straight line. Yeah. Maybe it's really bad imagery I'm giving. <laughs> okay, the last one is She Rise Up. And again, it's kind of robotic, but it's more melodic of a robotic. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> melodic robotic. And I think I like this one the best. The voice seems to get deeper and more menacing sounding a little bit. But okay, so he's talking about for a while the girl loved him and was um he was all she had, but she did like all the giving and took nothing. Mm -hmm. And eventually she rose up like the sun, shining like the sun. And he knew all he could do was watch her leave because he never gave enough to the relationship, I guess. I feel like it's like, she was great. She always did everything for me. I didn't take care of her enough or I didn't care enough. And so she just moved on enough, but like she should have, and it's perfect, you know? Yeah. I, I like the gist of this one. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think, I don't know, for all the transcendental meditation and trying to be like higher consciousness, he still has this like understanding of like the inherent selfishness mm -hmm. of people, you know, oh, yeah. like you can't appreciate a thing until you've lost it type of a, that's kind of what this song makes me feel like, mm -hmm. um, especially when you lose it because of your own actions. Right. Your own negligence. Yeah. So, I mean, not that, again, I'm putting probably way too much of this on him personally, as opposed to like, you know, this is a song he wrote. Whoever it's but, about. Whoever it's about. But it is, I like that it's more self-aware, you know? It's like, it no, the, the singer of the song knows that <laughs> they know that they had something great and it was their own negligence that lost it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I got from it. Um, it's almost like this, like... It's like a perfect finale for like kind of like the emotions that were yeah. in this album. It's like that like acceptance and kind of like, I don't know, like the realization that you're ready to kind of like move forward in a way. You're not yeah. being stuck in this kind of like area where you've been kind of going back and forth with different things about this one topic. And now you're like finally at the end of it. Yeah. And this is one of the few ones where it really feels like, I'm taking personal responsibility for the outcome of the situation, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead of like, I'm putting all this on you yeah. type of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to know how much was actually written, like based on his own personal experience. I feel like music kind of brings that out or like for me, when I, when I was a teenager <laughs> or in my twenties and ever, whenever I was heartbroken, I always would I'll write poetry Mm -hmm. which translates very easily into songs. Oh yeah. But so I do kind of feel like, yeah, it's all maybe coming from a real place, but I do feel like maybe he's trying, I don't know if he's like trying to say something or if it's just inherently, this is 
the kind of thing David Lynch always wants to say with his art, you know? (laughs) Okay, well, let's look at, I'll read some of the comments we got about what people liked on the album. Okay, we got Good Day Today is a great track. And someone wrote worst track. And then they wrote back my favorite track. So (laughs) maybe some controversy on that one. Stone's gone up, got us so good. Um, Someone really liked it. They, I didn't put anybody's name. So (laughs) I don't know what, who, who said what, but um, good day today is another person's favorite track. Mm -hmm. They like to put it on at parties and watch conversations start to flow about how people react to it. (laughs) interesting yeah it seems like it might be a good party song or party album you know if you had good people you wouldn't want it to be like a crazy clown time party and put that on (laughs) it wouldn't help you're not gonna listen to it (laughs) maybe it would be better i don't know okay then we got i discovered it the day he announced it i love it it's been a while since i've listened to it but i will soon thanks to this post (laughs) (laughs) yay i don't like his take on techno dan i don't like his take on techno dance it's pretty cheap corny and almost cringy but all his bluesy industrial music is great i really have no opinion necessarily on dance music in general <laughs> so yeah. i can't really <laughs> tell if it's good or bad i was a huge fan of blue bob album so this was a nice follow-up mm. but to me the best songs ever written and sung by lynch are the ones on inland empire And then they shared a couple of those songs, which was cool. We'll get to that someday. So, but that's interesting to know he wrote and performed some of the songs on that. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. We got, I love strange and unproductive thinking generally and as a guide to good dental hygiene. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The title track is my ringtone for years now and a great video. Interesting. (laughs) That's a conversation starter. (laughs) Pinky's Dream is my favorite. These are my friends, somebody voted for. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just got to absolutely love that album. Then we got someone who says they don't listen to it very much, but they remember really liking Pinky's Dream and She Rise Up. Great album, but the big dream is much better one in my opinion. Well, hopefully we'll cover that one someday too. I like the whole album, but there's something ominous and primal about Pinky's Dream. It's one of my favorite tracks ever recorded. Karen O oh was the perfect choice as vocalist, and she gives that typical Lynchian woman in trouble performance at the end. When I listen to it while driving at night, I feel as though I'm listening to an audio short film. I could definitely see that. Oh, this wow. would be a great album to listen to on a night drive. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Karen channels every Lynch girl at once in Pinky's Dream. Great stuff. And then somebody wrote one of my favorite Bob Dylan covers of all time, but I don't think they're thinking about this album. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there is a Bob Dylan cover on this album. No, it would have said it in my research. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. Okay. Um, I love this album and listen to it every now and then, but I prefer to hear it in its entirety. I don't get as much out of listening to the individual songs. Standout track for me, though, is Pinky's Dream. Karen O plus Lynch equals hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got someone in another language wrote, I'm not even going to try to say what the original language is, but it translates to this is a dope album. 
Oh, and well, then we got, okay, here's a good one. I'm an experimental rap music artist myself, and this album, as well as his Thought Gang project with Angelo Bandalamenti, which another one seems very interesting to check out, are both incredibly inspirational to me. They're both on regular rotation. My favorite song on Crown, Crazy Clown Time is Good Day Today. And there was a response that I think was trying to say Thought Gang is extremely badass. It says based, but I think it's trying to say badass. And he also, I take a lot of inspiration from that record too. Okay. And then uh, there's a couple more. I know is my favorite Lynch track from someone who claims they aren't a musician. He's naturally talented, a true artist. She Rides Up has far and away become my favorite track. Such a strong closer. The vocals at the end feel like the only time he is really emoting as a singer. It's a beautiful roller coaster. You don't have to go back and listen to that one because... I don't know if I, did I say anything about his singing quality on that one? I can't even remember. We Um, just talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) This might not be a helpful comment, but I've always wondered what the blackened ring finger means on the cover. Although it's not the ring finger, it's the middle finger. Granted, Judy had it in the bar scene and see, okay, that might be a spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) But fantastic album, the Bastille remix of are you sure is something I want played at my funeral. Oh, is that, um, wait, are you sure? Was that on this album? <laughs> I can't I remember. I can't put titles to songs. Like they don't, I don't think of, they don't go with the song in my head. I never, no, I don't think that was on this album. No, I don't think so. And then finally, I've honestly never discovered it yet, but rest assured I will. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then also I had to comment on Twitter that they thought it was a story of sorts, which kind of is what made me start to think about the accident. Yeah. Now I have a bunch for the deep dive, but we're already like at an hour and a half. So I might try to condense this. Okay. Let's start with the last thing, because I read an interview with him and with David Lynch and Dean Hurley. Oh, okay. No, okay. There's a cup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me go over the interviews and not the um, reviews. Okay. So some of the facts I learned, he says he worked on the album for almost two years altogether on the album's cohesion. He says, there's something that connects it all. There's some connecting tissue, but I don't know exactly what it is. <laughs> it feels good. Always on an album, the sequence of the songs is very critical. So we did work on getting a sequence that felt correct. I think the thing that holds together, if you listen, I think the thing holds together if you listen to it in a sitting. If you listen to it later track by track, you wouldn't necessarily experience the sequence, but you could experience the songs that you liked. <laughs> <laughs> So in terms of Karen O, she was someone David had been introduced to, to possibly work with like 10 years previously, because people are always, that's the way David works. He doesn't do auditions. He just talks to people. And if he likes you, then he'll want to work with you. So apparently she had come, but he just never really had anything for her to do with him. But then, so she came back when he was working on the album and she basically sat with the lyrics for like half an hour and listened to the track that they recorded and then just said she wanted to go in the booth 
And he said, into the booth she went and out she came with Pinky's dream. <laughs> I was next door <laughs> to heaven. <laughs> Her voice, when she says Pinky, it almost makes me cry. I know Pinky, such a special person Pinky is. It's because of her voice. I really love Pinky and what he's going through. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he's, he, this is where he likes to, where he's talking about the guitar and refers to it as lighting up the guitar. Mm -hmm. And, oh, he actually, he recorded it. He has a special room in his house that was designed by an acoustic engineer. I think mainly for like his movie stuff so we can hear the sound exactly, but that's where they recorded it. And then they asked, do you experience a freedom in making this album that's harder to manifest on film sets? And he said, no, I found it very difficult to sing. It's so embarrassing. So that was the hardest part on a film set. I feel very, very good. Now you get used to working with lots of people around singing is really, really frightening. And I was like, ah, I totally was writing this down the entire time I was listening. (laughs) Like you're scared to sing. I can tell by the way you're covering up your voice, but you shouldn't be, do it, David. (laughs) (laughs) You could do it. But maybe he did on the next album. We'll have to see. Maybe there's no distortion whatsoever and it's just him crooning away. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so then um, here's another interview. (laughs) This one is from The Guardian and he... He's, he, the interviewer says, I asked what possessed him to sing the songs and he chuckles in delight. That sounds like a value judgment. <laughs> what the hell were you thinking, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> he pauses to consider. It's a bunch of stuff. You might get someone else, an actor, to play a role. But then there are some roles where you think, I want to be that person. I want to go into that world. I want to try. I want to see whether I could nail it, assuming I could overcome a lot of fear and embarrassment and find a safe place to work from. But yes, there's a lot of fear involved. It's very fearful, which ugh, I just love that because, you know, mm-hmm. as an artist who sometimes wants to put herself in their work, it's like, yeah, this one thing feels like I have to do this. You know, <laughs> like this was written for me to do. This is my world that I want to go into. And he says, writing a song is much the same as writing a film. It's all about chasing ideas, about telling a story or letting the story tell you. And this, it turns out, is about as far as he's prepared to go in discussing his working method. (laughs) Because none of the things are yourself, not really. The ideas come from someplace else. It's like like fish. (laughs) What's like fish? The ideas, says Lynch. You didn't make the fish, you caught the fish. Now you can cook it in a good way or a bad way, but that's as far as it goes. The fish came from someplace else. And sometimes his eyes take on a faraway look. Sometimes it talks back to you, tells you how it wants to be cooked. (laughs) Which is such a David Lynch metaphor. Like he wrote a whole book called Catching the Big Fish, which is like, he feels like ideas come from outside of him like he catches the idea and then he can sculpt it the way he wants but like he didn't create the idea in the first place he says i mean you can't control what people are going to think about a movie or a painting so you better enjoy the doing <laughs> again <laughs> love the sentiment but i begin the interviewer if what you dredge up is the dark sludge of the subconscious and he responds it's not the dark sludge of the subconscious 
A cinema idea is simply something that cinema can say and which reflects the world. We live in a pretty dark and troubling world right now. The ideas are triggered by the world. <laughs> I love that part because I was like, who is this jerky interviewer? <laughs> <laughs> Very combative. That David Lynch had to put in his place. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then the last little bit I have is from a KCRW interview with Lynch and Dean Hurley. Mm-hmm. And on, on strange and unproductive thinking, he says, from time to time, I write what I call meaningless conversations. They don't have periods, they just go. And this is a song, strange and unproductive unproduct- thinking based on a meaningless conversation. So it's just like putting your ideas down, who cares, you know, but then I actually wrote this one thing in college that was like, it was probably after a crazy clown time type of party. <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> the next day you can feel very reflective. And um, I wrote this long stream of consciousness thing, which I still love to this day. And I'm like, too bad I never figured out anything to do with this, but <laughs> it's just Make fun to look back on it, you know? Meaningless conversation. All right, so I'll leave off on the other reviews because I think we probably covered it. I think that was everything. In terms of this, mm-hmm. should we do like a, our favorite oh. track since we don't have like a favorite scene? Oh yeah, we should do a favorite track. It's gonna be hard to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say I think probably my favorite is gonna be Pinky's Dream, just because it sounds so great and it's the one that stuck with me the most out of all these tracks. Um, uh-huh. I like Erno, and I just I love that song. So. That's one I'm definitely going to revisit and probably listen to again, too, very, like, just freely. Oh, yeah. I think that that one could definitely go on rotation. I would say that's probably my favorite in terms of that I would just listen to on a regular basis. I think it was the last song, wasn't it? I mean, okay. Well, I can't bite it. <laughs> can't figure out which one I just said was my favorite. So I'm sure when I'm editing it, I'll be like, oh, that one, duh. Oh, wasn't it, wasn't it She Rise Up? It, uh, it might be. I think you said that one. I did like that one. I liked the what, I liked the fact that he, I liked just the sentiment of that one. Like, mm-hmm. I liked that it was, you know, not as embittered and it felt more like a, a celebration of someone leaving you as opposed to a bitter disappointment. Yeah, I tell you, I love that. But yeah, I mean, overall, I really liked the album. It took a couple tries <laughs> to really to start to like it more. Uh-huh. Not that I didn't like it. I think the music is good. It's just like, it, it's hard to connect with on the first listen. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, because there are, you know, plenty of avant-garde kind of artists like Bjork and... And yeah, and people like that who like the music they create, it's not necessarily, it's the, I don't know, the type of music that they create is just the type of music where you can't just immediately like find your connection to it. It's almost like exploratory in a way, because it's taken Mm -hmm. me, it took me quite a while to get into Bjork and to like start like, oh, okay, this is, I know how to like navigate this type of music now and how to connect with it in a way where you kind of just have to give it time and yeah. give it a bunch of listens. Yeah. And it's like really singing about a specific 
type of feeling, which I particularly don't care for, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I, it's like a certain sort of self-destructiveness, which I always am like, so when I see it in other people, it makes me be like, are you blind to yourself? <laughs> like, right. I know it's really easy to be blind to yourself, but I find it, um, I, I, you know, I'm just not as tolerant of that particular <laughs> blindness. Right. It's very dark. It's like dark material and also stuff that we don't necessarily, I think we can probably, it's something that it's like very like relatable in a way to certain parts of your life. And you obviously don't like those parts of your, that yeah. are relatable. So it's like kind of confronting that in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure I've definitely <laughs> been uh, subject to the feeling, which is probably why um, I don't like it, you know? Right. <laughs> you, it's the things that you've kind of uh, worked on on yourself that you tend to not care for in other people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then I guess all that's left are recommendations. Right. It's been a while since we've done one. I know. I've got a couple. I'm wondering, because I was thinking, oh, they might be better Jane Austen recommendations, but I'm just going to recommend this week. I'll just go ahead and start. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I will recommend Hilda, because uh-huh. even though Hilda and crazy clown time are probably not at all for the same type of person. I don't know. I liked them both, but um, Hilda is a kid show on Netflix. It's like a cartoon show, but it is so delightful. And it's about this little girl who lives out in the forest with all these crazy, like Norse type mythological creatures, like Mm -hmm. trolls and all these weird kind of fun creatures but she's not scared of them she loves to live in the forest but then she has to go move to the city because her mom thinks it's better and she meets friends and it's just like such an adventure anyway it's really Mm -hmm. a great show i don't think i'm doing it just i'm not just giving it oh god but what's the word i'm looking for doing it justice (laughs) i'm not doing it justice or giving it enough credit or the way i'm describing it but like it's so good I watched the whole first season like five times and the second season (laughs) just came out. So I'm sure I'll watch that one several times as well. It's like half an hour. And if you're ever just like, I just need to spend half an hour or like I watch something sad or I watch something scary or I need like half an hour between this thing and that thing or before bed. It's just like the perfect show to fit into any of those tiny little gaps in your life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was saying, I've seen like the scrolling through Netflix and it seems very like pure hearted and very much like a very like a a joyful kind of series like you're not gonna very good if you're feeling down I love a story about a precocious little girl getting into (laughs) trouble but also trying to do the right thing (laughs) very spot on for you yes (laughs) (sighs) all right my recommendation this week is going to be music because I felt it was fitting since we're doing an album. Yes. I'm going to do recommend the album Swimmer by Tennis, which is a uh, husband-wife, like, indie pop duo. Cool. Um, and 
I've, I've known about them for a little bit, but this album came out this year, or I guess technically last year, since it's 2021. But it's got, it's just so good. She's just got this air about her. She The wife is the singer, and she they have this look right now where it's very 70s. She's got this, like, giant perm of brown hair, and <laughs> she wears these, like, very 70s clothes. He has, like, the bulk, like, a blonde bowl cut. <laughs> and it's just they I love their style and just like their songs are so beautiful and they're written really nicely and I just I don't I, I just like always feel glad listening to them because they're so like fun and that's cool so I would recommend them they're they're a lot of fun. tennis is what it's called yes. tennis I'll have to look them up yeah. <laughs> I like them all I recently got a um like a home pod mm-hmm. so I can actually play music in here <laughs> and uh, I'm always like, Siri, do this, play this. <laughs> so maybe I'll tell her to play some tennis. <laughs> It'll be, you'll, I think you'll enjoy it. It's really fun. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, oh, the contact. If you'd like, yeah. we'd love to hear what you guys think about Crazy Clown Time. What are your favorite tracks? Do you listen to it? Do you think that our interpretations of what it could be about are at all correct (laughs) or do you have your own interpretation we'd love to hear it so if you would like to write us you can do that at yes you could email us at mannersmadness at gmail.com you can dm us on twitter at mannersmadness or on instagram at mannersmadnesspod or you can leave a minute-long voicemail on our website mannersmadness.com yes Oh, and if you would be so kind, one of our goals for the year is to get some more ratings and reviews. So please, please, please. (laughs) It really helps us out. Yes, it really helps. Um, Let me tell you a little story about Jane Austen podcasts and (laughs) David Lynch podcasts for that matter. If you put Jane Austen into the search bar of Apple podcasts, you will not get a single Jane Austen podcast. You will only get audiobooks and the occasional like episode from a history podcast. But because, you know, it's not a huge, we don't have huge audiences, I assume, the Jane Austen podcasts of America <laughs> or Britain <laughs> or wherever, they don't come up. Our, our podcast doesn't come up at all if you put in Jane Austen. The only way, or Twin Peaks, the only way you can get our podcast to come up in search terms as if you put David Lynch and then it's still way down the list. So ratings and reviews are going to definitely help push it up so that people can find it if they're looking for a David Lynch or Jane Austen podcast or heaven forbid a David Lynch and Jane Austen podcast. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It'll definitely help us get more exposure and more listeners. Yes. And maybe even give us the opportunity to do even more of this podcast. Yeah. And we would really appreciate it. So please give us a rating or review. And next week we are starting Sanditon, the most recent BBC Jane Austen inspired adaptation. And our first episode next week is going to have a very special guest. We're going to have first impressions podcast on, I probably shouldn't announce it until it's actually recorded, but (laughs) (laughs) our plan is to have them on next week but i think it's gonna work out so we're very excited we're gonna try to do some more podcasting collaborations crossovers or just have them as guests yeah so watch the first episode of sanditon and come back next week 
for Sanditon, <laughs> episode one. <laughs> uh, so the same thing, five different ways. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that's all for Crazy Clown Time. Yeah, I don't have anything else. Well, you guys have a great week and we will talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs> See you then. Bye. Good night.